A reading from the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verses 1 through 19. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. The word was true, and it concerned a great conflict. He understood the word, having received understanding in the vision. At that time, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three weeks. I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had entered my mouth, and I had not anointed myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I looked up and saw a man clothed in linen with a belt of gold from Uphaz in his waist. His body was like barrel, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the roar of a multitude. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. The people who were with me did not see the vision, though a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone to see this great vision. My strength left me. And my complexion grew deathly pale, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a trance, face to the ground. But then a hand touched me and roused me to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, greatly beloved, pay attention to the words that I am going to speak to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. So while he was speaking this word to me, I stood up, trembling. He said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me 21 days. So Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and have come to help you understand what is to happen to your people at the end of days, for there is a further vision for those days. While he was speaking these words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one in human form touched my lips, and I opened my mouth to speak and said to the one who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, such pains have come upon me that I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For I am shaking. No strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one in human form touched me and strengthened me. He said, Do not fear, greatly beloved. You are safe. Be strong and courageous. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Um, Let's see. Daniel is, he's kind of going downhill. He's gotten a lot of visions from God. A lot of different things have happened. Uh, and every time he's, he's had kind of a, he's leveled up the way that he deals with it. So the first time he has a vision, he's like asking questions. He's like, Hey, do you know what this is? Come on, tell me all about this. Um, he's curious. He wants to know what's happening. Then he realizes things are bad. So he goes into mourning with ashes and sackcloth, which requires like effort, you know, to obtain those things. Like, so he's doing this kind of active mourning. He's got some strength. He's, he's like, I have the strength to put myself in sackcloth and ashes to show people that I'm sad. Um, and then the next time he has a vision, he has a really long prayer. He's like, 
let's humble ourselves. Let's pray to God. We've, I've got words. I've got all these words. And all of those things are good and they help in the situation that he faces. But what happens is that he keeps facing new lows where he didn't think he's like, this is it. This is the low. And then all of a sudden there's a new low. <laughs> and he's finally gotten to where the low is so low that he um he's not drinking, you know, rich wine. He's not eating the food. He's not taking care of himself in the NLT, which I read this in. It was like, he's not putting on lotion. I was like, he's not even going to Bath and Body Works anymore. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm done. <laughs> he doesn't care. You know, he's like, I don't have time to go shop for sackcloth. I don't have time to look for ashes. Like, um, he's just done. And as he's having this further vision, instead of asking questions or thinking, okay, now this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a big prayer. He's just speechless. He just doesn't have, he doesn't have anything left. Um, and this week when I was getting ready for this sermon, I was, I was like, I'm just speechless. I don't have anything. And I was, I was thinking about a particular time in my life in the past where that was true and um trying to figure out how to even open my Bible to look at the sermon this week. And uh when I did finally open my Bible, I was like, oh, this is the word I needed right here. Um this is what I needed to hear because Daniel's in the same place that I feel like I'm at or the people that I know are at. Um when y'all hear this story, do you relate to how Daniel is feeling? Or have you related ever? Does anybody want to share about that? We do not even want to talk about it. it is on yeah sometimes I feel like I'm weary of all the things that are going on in the world and just you know that people aren't getting along with each other um, and then there there are some scary things happening like rivers go running dry and lakes drying up and I just wonder what's happening mm -hmm. And uh, I know uh, Charles's mother was here recently, and I sat with her, and she said the same thing my mother always says. She says, I am so ready for Jesus to come back. It's please come back uh, and intervene in all of this. Yeah, I've resonated with them. With Daniel, you know, have, just having nothing, being face to the ground, you know, just the, you know, just a puddle, you know, nothing left. Um, that's definitely resonated with me. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, this is slightly off, or I don't know, whatever. Uh, I'll just talk. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about how many times uh, I've felt and been in the same place and how difficult it can be for others and how difficult it can be for me sometimes when others are in that space and the temptation to say words, uh, the the gift of being silent with folks and how contrary it is oftentimes to the sort of churchy narrative uh, even thinking communally, it's really it can be really hard for communities to be quiet and silent with one another if we feel like we have to say words or, or figure it out. So I'm I'm struck how it's a common I think it's a common experience for people. Like I'm guessing many people have those moments where we're left speechless. Mm-hmm. Um, but how uh, how few resources I feel like we often have or feel like we have. Uh, to be with folks in that same place or to carry that together because we're, we just want answers. We want to say something. Mm-hmm. Silence is hard and it's difficult to hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can mute that, Ben, if you want. Hmm? Can you can mute that. You can push the button on the bottom. Sarah, can I have some slides for you? Um, what I was thinking about before I read the story, um, was something we did right before we left Ireland and there, you know, there've actually been some things going on with our friends there. And so we've been in contact with him and, um, I, so that was one of the reasons I was thinking about it. Another one of the reasons was that at that time, um, this was like, Oh, June or July of 2010. At that time, we knew we were going to be coming back to the States. We weren't going to be staying um, in Ireland. And it was kind of our choice, but also kind of not. It was just strange. And then I'd had a miscarriage. And that was, you know, really t- tough, as it would be for anybody. And um, I, like, us and our friends, it was like we were mourning and like trying to say goodbye to each other, but also not knowing what to say because no matter what we said, it couldn't change what was happening. And you just kind of felt like, what are we supposed to do in that case? Um, they asked us if we wanted to climb this hill. Um, it's called Croporig. It's like Patrick's Reek, Patrick's Stack. Um, it's not a mountain because a mountain has to be a thousand meters. It's 764 meters. So it's really close. Um, it's had a lot of, um, religious and archaeological significance. Like it, you know, Patrick co-opted it, but originally it was this big mountain or hill that they would go up to, um, sacrifice and like petition the gods at the summer solstice uh the middle of like kind of the end of july june um and they would the god was lunasa which was the kind of the end the god of the sun the lunasa and um it was a harvest like festival celebration um, but it wasn't a celebration of a harvest that had already come in. It was happening during a time when, um, the old. 
thing of the year. The sun seems to like roll down it as it goes down. Uh, so it was like, it was really important to the people um, who lived there before St. Patrick came along. But when St. Patrick came along and he, you know, transformed all of Ireland, he went up onto this, the legend is, but he went up onto this mountain and he stayed there for the 40 days and nights of Lent. And he, you know, fasted and had an experience with God and all of these things. Um, and that at some point, then he like cast the snakes out of Ireland or where they went is into a hollow in a lake underneath this hill. <laughs> um, so, you know, it continued to be a place of significance for um, Irish people and for uh, people who were Catholic, Christian. Um, and so every year on the last Sunday of July, there's a pilgrimage up there and there are masses that are held at the top. Um, but you can climb it anytime. Uh, and there was actually gold discovered in it in the last hundred years, <laughs> but they don't allow it to be mined because then it would destroy, you know, the integrity of the mountain hill thing. Um, but it's funny because all the snakes and the gold are in that hill. Um, <laughs> Right. Okay. So at this point, when we're looking at it, we're, you know, our friends, they're not all Christians. Um, it's not like a religious thing, but it is kind of, it's this weird friend pilgrimage vibe. It's like different than other things we've done before. And at this point, I'm like, okay, sure. And people climb this, people climb it barefoot, people climb it like kids climb it, lots of people climb it. So I'm thinking it's going to be easy. Um, and everything's going fine. Can we go to the next slide? And then you kind of get around to the back of it and you realize that it's really steep and there's no actual path. Like anywhere that you step is just rocks. Um, it's deceptive looking there, but there's, it's all rocks. It's just, um, it's extremely rocky. And that's why people climb it barefoot, kind of like it's an act of penance in a way. Um, and keep going, Sarah. That's kind of like the trail, the view that you're looking back. And you can see like the green mountain behind it. That's where you're going up at first. And you're like, this is easy. And then you kind of turn the corner and you're going up here. And no, this is, this is not easy. Um, and at this point, like, I remember turning the corner and feeling like, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. I don't have any. And not only could I not like climb the mountain, but I was thinking, I can't do all these things now that are making me sad. I can't do it. Um, but somehow I kept going because the embarrassment of not being able to keep going was like more than like the, I need to stop. Um, but basically <laughs> you like scramble up this. It's not like walking so much as like just leaning over and like trying not to slide down because the rocks are so loose. And when you get to the top, um, there's all these different, like you're supposed to, you can't really read it, but all of those are different. Like go around the, this 15 times and pray the Pope's intentions and X, Y, Z. And when I went up it, I remember thinking, I don't know why people climb this to just come up here and walk around because it doesn't do anything. Like, what do they think they're doing just walking around in circles? Why would, why would people just walk around in circles? Um, God's not going to hear them any better. 
And then, you know, this is St. Patrick's bed. We had a little, like, there were more serious pictures, but we had a little bit of, little bit of fun. That's St. Patrick's bed where he's said to have, like, slept. Hmm? And St. Well, yeah, there you go. St. Mark. I can't remember what's next. Okay, this is on the way down. You can see, like, that's why the, the rocks look gold. Um, so it's kind of ironic that there is actually gold in it. But that's what you can see from kind of the top. Um, I have thought about that a lot in the years since. And I was thinking about it this week because one of the things that I've learned with silence and solitude and with the way that we all sit with each other or that we do liturgies is that um, sometimes when there's nothing you can do, maybe walking up a mountain is the best course of action. That <laughs> um, maybe it's not necessarily about like showing God how sorry you are and hoping that he hears you, but it's a way of saying like, I'm still here. Um, I'm still here. <laughs> and I wonder if those things, like, I was thinking this week about what things I can do now when I'm not, like, where I can make a pilgrimage, but what things I can do in my life to say, I'm still here, even if I don't have words, even if I can't fix anything. Um, but what can I do just to exist? And to connect with God and not just give up. Um, I noticed a couple of things about the Daniel story. When we're speechless, we can hear God better. Um, God has said to Daniel before, you're beloved, you're esteemed. But in this story, he says it over and over. And I wonder if it's one of the first times Daniel could hear it because he was finally out of words and out of things that he thought he could do. Um, one of our friends at the top of Crow Park, we had PB&Js. Ryan and I had packed PB&Js. And he, our friend, asked if he could try a bite. He was like, this is the best sandwich I have ever eaten. And he just, you would have to know him, but it was like, it was so genuine. It was like, it really was the best sandwich he had ever eaten. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things we can do when we're speechless is to have gratitude for small things, right? Um, because when we're in that place, when we're so low, a PB&J can be the best thing we've ever eaten. And we don't notice that when we're full of words and things that we can do. Um, but when we, like, climb to the top and there's no, you know, we're just there, when we've, like, scrambled and we're there, that's when we can like hear God and we can feel gratitude in a different way. Um, this was from my readings this week. This is a Celtic saint. As long as you are in good health, serve God with all your might. When you are ill, remember all his mercies with thankfulness. And above all things, live in Christian love and peace with one another and with all. And then she says, keep within me a stillness deeper and sweeter than a forest in mid of winter. Um, it really struck me that 
she was saying, when you can, serve God with all of your might. But when you cannot, when you are speechless, when you are out of energy, when you've given everything, when you don't know what to do, remember his mercies with thankfulness. Um, so, yeah. Like, remember your PB&J. <laughs> Thoughts, reflections. You don't have to have, you know, verbal thoughts since we're talking about being speechless. But if you have verbal thoughts, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just going to be silent because we should be able to be silent with each other in the midst of all this. Um, yeah, you made it hard to make any comments after that. You know, I feel like I'm Violet. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> uh, this story, I, uh, I'm sure I've read it before, this, this part of Daniel, but it hits me differently. I think the last time I spent significant time in Daniel was, hmm, probably 20 years ago, maybe 25, when I was in college. I had to write a sermon series out of Daniel. And this may have been one of the chapters. Anyway, since then, I have, uh, it brought to mind an experience where I was feeling down in the depths. And it's, uh, it's a story I've told a lot because it was like a, I don't know, spiritual pivot point or transformation moment for me. And it was when I was, kind of at the the bottom of things two or three years into storyline and things were really unraveling and I was I didn't know releasing the outcomes was a thing you were supposed to do so I was like holding really tightly onto them and had them all like wound up in my identity and I was a failure and what was wrong with me and I had no more strategies for words and I I was I was just frazzled and done and i had this moment in my um in my office kind of in desperation um i'm not being silent because i was doing that on purpose but just because i didn't have any words to say and uh into my mind god's voice comes to us through the unbelieved and the ignored uh into my mind comes the the words of this children's song that we had sung in our house church gathering a few days before um, at Rockhurst, uh, the Seeds family worship song, you are uh, more, more, more than conquerors. Um, what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing, 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 nothing. Just the this song comes into my mind. And like I, something clicks and I, 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 I just have this deep sense that, oh, this is, this is not, it's not an accident that I'm remembering this song right now. This is, this is, uh, saying something, uh, to me. This is coming to me from, uh, from not just, you know, my own, um, brain matter. This is a word from God to me about my belovedness. And that, like, I don't know, I, it seems like just another Tuesday on some level, but 
I will, I will never forget that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, it's stunning to me that Daniel has this kind of experience where he's done, he's empty and he has no strength left. Mm-hmm. And he, he's in a trance, uh, and this human being comes to him and touches him and says, don't be afraid. You are loved. Be strong and courageous. And, and that's what he needs. He gets what he needs in that moment. Anyway, just, uh, I'm grateful that like, there's a story that I can kind of find myself in there. Like, and it, re- it reminds me to have hope, uh, in the current moment that, Hey, maybe that can, maybe I can have the strength and courage I need again. I think you, we should be able to hear him, but. Oh, John, can you unmute? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I've had several months with um, illness and recovery, and there's been many, many, many days when the best I could do was get out of bed, go to the bathroom, go to the kitchen, eat something, watch a little video, go back to bed. No energy, over and over and over again. And being a workaholic, I had to be careful to beat myself up about accomplishing things. I got over that after a while. But what helped me was to remember that God doesn't change. I had to remember that, that, uh, saying yesterday, today, and forever, uh, that God hadn't gone anywhere. His nature hasn't changed. And one of the illustrations I had when I was in my deepest, deepest depression many years ago was the sun, the sun never stopped shining. When it's nighttime here, the sun didn't go out. When it's cloudy and stormy, the sun didn't go out. The sun, S-U-N, is just doing its thing. Same thing with God. God never stops being God. And and then I go to the nature of God. Well, God is love. The Bible says God is spirit and God is light. I can go to those three things. And so it helps to reorient me. And today and many, many, many days, talk about gratitude. So what keeps my connection with God going on in the ordinary days and the dull days and the regular days is just to thank God. Thank God for the ordinary things I see as I see them, whether that's pharmaceuticals or food or technology. I mean, I'm, I like, I'm, a tech, I'm a techie guy. I thank God over and over again for the technological gizmos we got in my life. I thank God for my neighbors, not in general, but specific neighbors that come to mind. I, I, and so just to just tell God many, many, many times every week. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. The other thing is last week is to, God, I ask you for or help me with this. So ask th- ask and thank and help me are are what are the prompts in my continual prayer life. Pass. Thank you, John.
Yeah, I think if I was climbing that mountain again, um, at the time, I think it was more about like, what what can I get God to do by climbing this? You know, like what, especially with the barefoot bit, like, what can I get God to do? But now I do think kind of connects to what John is saying, what Charles is saying. It's like, I think people climb it for lots of reasons that are not even religious to remind themselves that the world is still there and that some things don't change and that, um, that we're small and not like in a, not in a, I'm small and terrible way, but I'm small and something bigger than me is out there. Um, and there's something like, I think there's something that happens when we remind ourselves of that. That not that God changes, but that like something in us changes or is reassured. Well, this is my last official sermon as a staff member of the church. And I love y'all and I'm thankful for you. Sorry, it's such a bummer, but things fall where they will. So Would somebody pray for us? Would someone mind praying for us? I know that puts y'all on the spot, but would somebody like to pray? Thank you, Ben. Holy, uh, gracious, all-merciful, all-just God, We give thanks for the gift of another day. For this, for the gift of this table to be gathered around, both those of us in person and those who are with us virtually, uh, we give thanks. We receive the gift of this community as just that, a gift. But to be with one another and to be quiet with one another. To sit in the silence of our own pain or to sit in the silence of um, the pain of those in our midst. Uh, we trust, God, that you are there. Even when we are certain or feel it in the deepest part of our bones that you're not, we trust that you are.
So we ask God that you would be present with us, that you not forsake us. Ask that you would um, speak into the silence that we might once again know we are your beloved. Send things our way or open our eyes to things already in our midst uh, for which we can be grateful. Help us see the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. A kind word from a friend. A soft breeze. Um, the, the gift of laughter. The gift of tears. Um, help us to see the small things and acknowledge and hold. Uh, that which is good, even when things in life don't feel particularly good. For these ancient stories uh, that help us see we're not alone, uh, where we can see ourselves in these sacred texts, um, those who've gone before us, we receive this as a gift and give you thanks. May your spirit be among us. May your love surround us. And may hope of a new day, of sun breaking through the clouds, um, give us the courage and the possibility uh, to keep taking the next step in this life to which you call us. We pray these things through Christ our Lord who sits with us in our silence who holds our pain with us, this one who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, world without end. Amen. Amen.